This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and I'm feeling actually very authentic because I'm back in West London. Last week we were somewhere else. We were in Dundalk. We were in Ireland. We were drinking Guinness with Tia Maria. Um, A lot of people are not happy about that but we were very happy at the time because it was about three o'clock in the morning and we had no idea what was going on. But now we're back in West London where we truly belong. The home of the mighty, mighty bees. We're in a pub which apparently a few weeks ago we were told was equidistant from QPR, from Fulham and also from Brentford FC. So there's no real territory or no real club that owns this pub except for us because we come here nearly every week. Well, not nearly every week, but we come here probably every other two or three weeks or so. It's the Cross Keys pub in Hammersmith, Stanford Brook. Black Line Lane, like I said to you, just down from the old Polydor Records, which used to put out all, all Saints and all sorts of stuff there. It's a very good record label, but it's not there anymore. There's some houses because they built flats on the cottage, but that's got nothing to do with this podcast at all. We get told off if we say things like that. But anyway, I'm Billy Grant, and as you can tell, I'm rabbiting on here because I'm very, very happy because I'm really looking forward to the weekend. I'm already talking about the weekend. Forget about last weekend when we played Preston North End, and it didn't go quite too well some good friends from there but let's forget that on Saturday we're going to Sunderland it's the northeast and we love going to the northeast because they're very very friendly people they're very very happy people and we've never had a bad time in the northeast regardless of the result but we'll come back to that in a little bit I'll tell you something as well though if you checked us out last week Lasse Vibe we broke that story we had the exclusive besotted exclusive story on Lasse Vibe unfortunately he left to go to China we've been talking about this for nearly a year now we said that he's going to the club yeah, what's it Changchung Yatai we well meant, done thank you well, well you know we've been practicing for nine months now we talked about it in our close season podcast we had Chinese Gary who gave us the information other, we t- other, club, other Chinese clubs were mentioned 
they were mentioned indeed, but you know we just had to hold it down a little bit on that one because we knew there was a little bit of information that was brewing on the Changchun Yetai, who are a Premier League team. He was always going to leave from Brentford to go to a Premier League team because he wanted Premier League Chinese wages and Premier League activity, and he's going to play with um, he's going to play with oh, what's it from Igalo Igalo the old Igalo who got signed for twenty million pounds. So I think they're thinking they got a little bit of a deal, let's say Vibe for two million pounds, um, which is all good. So. Yes, we, we broke that news, like I said to you on Wednesday. The news came through, we put it out besotted, and it took a couple of days for it to sort of filter out anywhere else. Lady, sorry? Probably the biggest news of the week, though, apart from the VBay transfer, is um, Matthew Benham has kind of admitted future doubts. And we'll, but we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Ah, see, there we go. Always an exclusive and besotted. So as Lainey has actually broken some new news for you, but we're going to talk about that in a little bit because we've got other things to talk about, even though... Not saying that's not as important news as possible. What else are we going to talk about as well? We're going to talk Sunderland. I'm talking about Sunderland. Actually, first of all, before I even talk about Sunderland, I'm going to introduce my guests around the table here because we've got a, a, we've got a posse around here who they're all smiling. I don't know why they're smiling because we, um, we haven't won in three games, but that doesn't really matter because there's hope. When you're playing good football, hope. To the left of me, I've got the man. He is the water man, the Greville water man. How are you doing? Very, very well. Thanks for the intro and thank you for the invitation tonight. It was like a royal summons. I had to be here. Yes, you did. You did. <laughs> we actually sent we sent the royal car. There was a red carpet all the way from North London to West London, and, and you and you walked all the way here. And, and that's why you were a little bit late. But we didn't worry about but, it because we knew you were regal. But I've also learned. You talk about this being equidistant between uh, Loftus Road and Griffin Park. I've also learned this pub is equidistant between Ravenscourt Park and Stamford Brook Tubes. Oh, oh! I think there's a little hint that the directions weren't. Totally on point for the water man. But anyway, listen, listen you ever heard of uh, Google Maps? But anyway, listen, yeah. <laughs> listen, I've got the man, we got the man back in, in the house. The Gary, how you doing? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad, Bill. Again, thanks for the invite. The old um, back phone started flashing earlier today and I thought I'd dash down and give you guys a hand. You, 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 the thing is, Gary, I have to say this, right? And I have to say respect and tip my hat to you. It has been a month and a half now. And what I am a little bit worried about with you is that you obviously your clock is a little bit wrong. Clock. You did your clock right. or your calendar, your clock. You did try January, but it's nearly the middle of February and you're still dry. What's going wrong? Yeah, just running late, mate, to be honest. The old watch is a bit slow. No, to be honest. Uh, bl- black man time, is it? Yeah, pretty much. The old BMT strikes again. And it's a little in-joke between two black people here, you know, and people sort of, you know. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on from, from that one. But, but listen, to Gary, listen, it's good. In-jokes, in yeah, in-jokes. In jo- you're not allowed to have in-jokes, apparently. You're not allowed to talk about beer or uh, geography or okay. uh, anything else. But anyway, listen, Gaz, I'm going to say to you, listen, which is all good, but listen, this week, anything, uh, take your fancy, you being up to anything decent? This week? No. I don't know. I might take a little trip to Sunderland. I might do. I might do. I'm thinking about it. Listen, he's a boaster because he's, he's the one person that I know that bought a train ticket three months ago when Brentford was still in the well, third round of the FA Cup, never mind the fourth or the fifth round. But anyway, listen, we shall move on because we're talking about Sunderland. A bit later on, we're going to be talking to Connor Bromley. He's from the Roker Report. 
uh, Wicked blog, Wicked podcast. Um, I did a little piece on the Roker Report as well. So if you also check out the Roker Report, there'll be a little piece later on today on the Roker Report where I talked about Brentford for quite a long time, like on conversation thing as well. You might find that quite interesting. We talked about us, the fact that Sunderland are really respectful of the way that we've actually running our business compared to theirs. Um, this is no respect to Sunderland. This is just a conversation that went in place. And, uh, you know, they're talking about, you know, Chris Coleman and the new players that they had and everything like that. So have a little listen to that on the Roker Report. But we'll talk to Connor Bromley on our show here as well a little bit later. But also, of course, we're going to Sunderland on Saturday and we always do our besotted alternative tourist guides to whichever game we're going to. And Sunderland is no different. And we found out there's some really exciting places to go to uh, Sunderland. Um, are you not going to introduce me? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry, who are you? Selfish bastards. Who are you? you? Se- I'm, I'm Dave Lane. And, and what do you do? No idea, but um, I had, I, I've had a good week as well, thanks for asking. <laughs> what have you been up to, um, Mr Dave Lane? I've never heard of you. Well, actually, now you've, now you've been bothered to ask, I had, I had a really good post, post um, P&E experience with the P&E boys, went on a Lionel Road pub crawl. So we went to all the new, all the well, all the old pubs, but all the all the pubs that are going to be near our new stadium. We started off at the Express, and we went to the one over the eight. And we went up to Strain on the Green. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I'm glad you had a very good time. I was actually with you, if you remember rightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just making sure you knew I was there. <laughs> well, first of all, I've got to know who you are. But anyway, we should move on. I'll apologise for that, Mr. Dave Lane. But anyway, I'm glad you had a good time for p and on Saturday. But so saying that as well, the Preston lads and lasses, when they come down, uh, we've said this a million times over. They're absolutely brilliant. They're a really good laugh. We go up there and they really do take care of us. And on Saturday, they came down as well and they came down to their numbers. And uh, it, was, it was a very good night, wasn't it? It was, and um, John, um, the, one of the P&E boys, he, he always makes badges. He always brings little, like, little enamel badges down as presents for people. Then every year he does like two or three different versions, and this year he, you know, he brought down his ones and he handed them all out. So they're, like, they're into making friends mode, so they meet people in the pub, they, they tell them how proud they are of Preston, and they give them an, an enamel badge, so... You know, it's just about, you know, I'm glad this is how football is these days. Yeah, which is it's interesting. And the, I mean, I've got about six or seven of their enamel badges, but when I got home as well, I found my back and my front with about five or six of their P&E stickers as well. Yeah, they were, st- they, but again, they sort of like, they take brands. So like, it's like, you know, like the North Face, like, you know, it's the North End. And like Pretty Green is like the Preston North End. They've said, and North End Soul. North End Soul, yeah. They, Northern they, Soul. Yeah, so they really do sort of magpie different different designs. And it's, it's very clever and it's very funny. And uh, yeah, fair play to the guys. And I'm just saying that as well. Dave, I'm sorry for not introducing you a little bit earlier, but I just didn't see you there in front of your big pint of Guinness and um, Tia Maria. But um, before that, on Wednesday as well, you and myself were together in, in Ireland. We went to Dundalk and we had a very good time actually in Dundalk. We went to see the B team play out there and we were moderately surprised about everything. We were very happy with Dundalk. I mean, Ireland's a brilliant place anyway. Like I said to you, a lot of my relatives and my extended family come from out there. I go there quite a lot. I go and see Ireland play as well as England. Um, but this was just a different level of experience because I was not expecting a Wednesday night in Dundalk to be so much of a laugh. And also the B team, who we went to go and see their play, Plays really good football. It was a really good game. It was really exciting. It was just like a league or a cup game, and we were very excited. And so were the Dundalk fans as well. And I mean, how was your Wednesday night, Dave? It was brilliant. Um, I've been to 
been to Ireland a couple of times now and um, it's the first time we've actually been properly out of Dublin. We didn't really do our research. We, we thought that Dundalk was north of Dublin. We didn't actually, I don't think we realised it was bang on the border. Um, so it was, it was very unique and a very special experience and they really did look after us. And they, a couple of times people said to us, you wouldn't have been welcome here quite so quite so warmly 20 years ago um so yeah it was it was a little bit you know you know you look at you no know, yeah it was, i wouldn't say it was edgy in any way shape or form but it could have been back in the day but i had a brilliant night i thought the um the player the brentford players played very well um i thought the it was like a, a bit of an old school experience in terms of the stadium we had a proper lock-in yeah i had a, had a great trip so um yeah absolutely first rate I couldn't it's up there with some of the best trips I had and that's for a B team game so which is excellent and if you want to listen back just go to besotted.com click on podcast and you can check out our B team podcast which talks about you know bees go bananas in Dundalk is what it says yep and we've took we've taken a load of video footage and I'll I'll get around to doing it this week but there'll be a video pod of of the the trip and that'll be a real laugh so uh, yeah look out for that Indeed, which is all good. So listen, looking forward to Saturday before. And like I said to you, Connor Bromley from the Roker Report will be chatting to us a little bit later. But also, like I said to you, our Sunderland Alternative Tourism Guide is what we do. And we always look to see where should we go before the match. Something that is so exciting that just makes us so tingle when we're going up in our trains or driving up to Sunderland. We just can't be so excited to go there before we go to the match. And Greville, I know that you're very excited about going somewhere before the match. Where is that? Where I would suggest is you go straight, forget the football, go to Waterworks Road in Sunderland and there you will find the splendour that is the Ryhope Engines Museum. Now, I went to York a few times, went to the Railway Museum, which was great, but this place, all I can say is that one of the reviews on TripAdvisor sums it up. Great smells of oil and blacksmith's furnaces. That's it. Yeah, I'm a bit gutted, Greville, because you've actually taken, you've stolen my thunder, because that's where I was, was going to go. But I'll, so I'll have to, I'll have to look go. for somewhere else. We'll both go. Yeah. We'll, we'll, okay, we'll both go there as well, because obviously, what, you like that as well, but I like the fact they've got beam engines, a blacksmith forge, a water wheel, and numerous steam engines and pumps, and net waterworks accessories such as a depth recorder. Well, there's one other one. I'm no, 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 you can't have no. two. Oh. No, you can't have two. Right, okay. Listen, he's greedy. <laughs> Listen, he comes to the podcast, he hasn't been on for ages, and then he just wants it all, doesn't he? <laughs> greedy. Well, Greville. you go on about bloody Greedy Greville. Greedy Greville. Listen, guys. Anyway, Gary, tell us, what, tell us what you're in. You know, you, you know the manners, mate. You know, teach Greville later. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to take my one place uh, this time. So where I'll be going, I'll be going to the Grosvenor Casino in Sunderland. Seem to be quite well rated. Exactly. I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to pop in there and hopefully I'll get lucky, hit that big jackpot and be able to afford a ticket to Leeds away. Uh, Which is thirty nine pounds apparently, isn't it? Thirty nine. All right. Maybe. Well, maybe I won't be that lucky. Oh, I'm, I'm here again, am I? Yes, Laney's okay. back. Okay. Um, for me, I'm going to go to the um, National Glass Centre. Um, Why is that then? It's, it's smashing. Very, very good. Yes. No, apart, <laughs> but apart from that, there's, there's, there's two things. Um, only 11 people have ever said it's terrible on the, on the reviews. And out of 12? Out of 737. So there's 383 people said it was excellent. Um, and, but most importantly, they um, do hot blowing lessons. 
Um, and um, apparently John Terry's mum... Anyway, we should move on from that. I'm sure it was very, very good. As we said, let's go back to last weekend. Last weekend, yeah, Preston came down. Listen, I'm going with, I'll tell you, I'm going with Greville, right. we're going together. Last weekend, Preston North End came down. We do like Preston there. You know, teams like Preston, teams like Brentford, we're very similar. Similar fans, similar laughs, we had similar jokes. On the pitch, we weren't that similar, it has to be said. Um, I'm not going to say any more because let's go to the pub. Let's listen to what the Brentford fans and the Preston fans had to say in debate in the pub after the game. <laughs> Very, very frustrating again. I keep saying it after most games this season. Uh, yeah, we, we pushed on. We had our chances. Can't fault, but I just felt the team we finished with was possibly a team we should have started with. We, we got on a mini losing run. I thought that was the opportunity to have a look at the new lad, Mark Condes. Start judging. We, we came out the second half a lot stronger. Got to admit that the team picked it up. We got the goal back in. They went down to 10 men, but... I still felt we looked a lot stronger team in that last 20 minutes. It was, it was, it did seem like a very negative sort of style of football. But teams know that if you play like that against us quite often, we can't really, we can't break them down, and we can't find the winner. So they've kind of they've adapted their game to play us. But I couldn't imagine watching that football every week. It'd be really annoying. Judge looked looked positive when he came on. So did Macondes, but. Um, yeah, I think considering we were forced into the changes, it could have been a lot worse. Well, I just think that maybe we didn't. There's not enough of an attacking threat, really. We we, we played a lot of good football, but there wasn't quite the cutting edge. I think you know, I think Malpay's first touch is quite heavy. I don't think he's. I mean, if, if we had a cho- if we had a choice between Vibe and Malpay. V-Bay would be in the team every time, wouldn't he? I think we all agree that. You know, and that's but but he's not, and he's not. So we gotta we gotta stick with what we've got. And Dean Smith sees something in him. So I think you know he's he's seen a lot of in a lot of other players that we've got. So I think we gotta trust in him that he's gonna come good. I mean, I hope that he does come good. You know, he does show some promise, but he's just. It can be very frustrating watching him. Well, you're right, we never get a result down here. And we were 1-0 up. And I think it was a mini Alamo, but only after Daniel Bentley did his little... Uh, he put a skirt on for two minutes, dived onto the floor, pretended he was injured. And then, I'm not... Greg Cunningham was stupid. He got, he got himself sent off for that second tackle. But Daniel Bentley, that was... As a pro footballer, to do that to another pro footballer was out of order. Football is a game of opinion, Billy. So where we were stood... The referee had one of these red and white scarves on and we didn't get a decision. So where we were stood today, we were on the wrong end of a lot of bad decisions. But I, I appreciate that football is a game of opinion. I don't think we play that type of football. I just think we got a lot of decisions against us that weren't really weren't really fouls. But You were pretty tough. We're a tough side, yeah. He's, have you seen Alex Neal? He's a Scottish centre midfielder who's played for Hamilton Academicals against Rangers. What do you think he's going to be like? He's um, he's not uh, he's never going to be silky skilled. But I have to say, I think I think it's um, a preconceived view of our team you've got there. I think up to up to us scoring, we played some good football. After we scored, we were never going to win it. Strangely enough, I think Brentford a better team by a mile. I think you could win more home games and create more chances if the, the fans got behind Brentford FC because they're a lovely, lovely club. I'm saying that from the bottom of my heart. As a northerner, 
Um, no, it's the, they're, a lovely, they're a lovely club and the people, they may always make you feel friendly and welcome. And yeah, uh, you just need, they're like us at home, we just, the atmosphere is rubbish at home. When we go away, we take a good following and we get with behind the team. So the Brentford, when Brentford come to Deepdale, uh, they bossed it at Deepdale this year, beat us 3 2. And they never stopped singing the Brentford fans because they was drunk. That's all it was. <laughs> I mean, I'm disappointed a bit in Preston, actually. They they lived up to the stereotype of a northern clogging team and uh, time-wasting from about the 10th minute on as well. Uh, after that second-half performance, we deserved a win. We really did. I thought that was the best second-half performance I've seen the Bees put in for a long time. player I wanted really to come on and praise today was Mope. I think there will still be some people who will have um, said that what was he doing on the pitch he did I thought he had his best game for us that I've seen he really worked hard worked well he deserved a goal didn't get it but the goals will come for him um, you know Vibe who, who's he Mope he's the future um, it's an, do you know what it's interesting actually I, I, we were talking about after the game um, to them and, um, and I came out of there a little bit deflated a little bit gutted felt we should have won 2-1 well 3-1 or whatever and, um, and they made an op- they, they made a different argument that they felt what was a good was a, was a justified result and, and I actually think that when I think back about it I can kind of see what they're saying is that is that you know ultimately the last 20 minutes was all Brentford and we feel like we should have won but actually if you take the whole of the game look at the whole of the game um, and take that take that out take the last 20 minutes out of the context then maybe one or wasn't was a reasonable result I, I kind of felt we'll that, take a point. I kind of felt that that but these were two teams that probably aren't going to finish in the top six. Three times today, I thought we missed a big opportunity. And you know, you, you know, you know when you're there and everyone's saying, "Get it out there, get a crossing, get a crossing, get a crossing." And we hit a load of long crosses, and we didn't really get on the end of any of them. Um, but for three times today, the ball was pulled back to the penalty spot, and three times today we had no one there. And 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 it's really frustrating that nobody's reading that because they're the perfect balls. If someone meets them at the penalty spot, be they used to do it and, and, and I just felt three massive goal scoring opportunities and nobody read that's where the ball was going to end up it feels to me like we've gone back a step um, I'm not I'm, we're like 75% of the Brentford that we were probably three weeks ago we need to kind of regroup a bit we need to find out who we are it seems like the, the loss of Lasse Vibe is, it, it has affected us. You, you, you can't deny that. Um, you know, we, we can we, you know we, we can say we had a great week with um, the trip to um, Ireland. We've had a we've had a brilliant um, like delegation coming up coming down from P and E. But Brentford today, not quite not quite on their A game. Not 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 really looking as as dangerous as they as they have been. You know, I think the stats will show that the possession and the chances were all Brentford's. But we we need a few more weeks probably to. Uh, I, I think more pay. I I, he, I I thought second half particularly. I thought he looked great. You know, he was he was aggy. He was annoying. He would he never give anything other than a hundred percent. And I, and I think like Marcondes when he came on it was the right decision. Marcondes looked a really good swap for him, but I thought Marcondes looked more dangerous than. Yeah, I'm sorry, Morpé looked more more dangerous than Marcondes. It, it, it's just not going to happen for us this season. So um, you know, but everything's there for the taking. Still, it's not to say like we shouldn't go for it, but you know, the realist in me is that we we're probably we, if we're going to get the playoffs, we might make six. We're probably not going to make them. You know, but 
but that's not to say just not go for it. We had a lot of players that were brilliant players that aren't on, 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 you know, on there. So, and, uh, so you know, I, I'm still really, really hopeful. Today, a bit frustrating, but not the end of the world. Quite an interesting post-match session that was, with the Brentford fans, the Preston fans being quite honest. The Preston fans were a little bit unhappy with Daniel Bentley. The Brentford fans were, well, they, they just noted the fact that Preston were a little bit aggressive, but also we should have taken our chances. And uh, that was all good. So, But it was a really interesting debate between them. And it was interesting to hear also the Preston fans talk about the atmosphere at Griffin Park. They weren't being disrespectful. They weren't being negative. Well, they basically what they said is that we believe that you would be a better side if the atmosphere was better, which was an interesting situation that they're talking about. And they also said that Preston is very similar to Brentford, as in the atmosphere is terrible at home, but it's brilliant away from home. We've seen that we go away from home and we sing to the cows come home a lot of the time. And at home, it could be a little bit so-so. But, I mean, there's a few talking points in that game. The team selection, first of all, there's a number of players that were changed from the previous week in that team, wasn't there, Greville? Yeah, I mean, two of them were forced on 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 the club, you know, with um, Meth- well, Canos being suspended and and Chris Metham was was obviously ill and Ryan Woods was injured. You know, he looked very good signing autographs in the club shop, but we wanted him on the pitch. But yeah, there were a couple of other changes. Um, Mope came back in and Clark replaced Barbe, which I thought was the right thing because Barbe. I just don't think does quite enough defensively or going forward. He's done valiantly, but he's not quite up to it in my view. And, and I'm just saying as well, I mean, so did you feel that the change in the team selection, not so it's justified as in you thought this is the right thing to do, but did it work? Not really. Um, I, it was a f- nothing sort of game, you know. Preston just tried to stop us playing. I was disappointed in Preston for a top what top seven team. They realised they couldn't match us at football, so they got into the dark arts and they were wasting time from the first five minutes. Dear young Mr Fisher, the right back, wasted time from a throw-in right early on. Uh, the referee didn't quite clamp down on them hard enough. Johnson kept standing over every free kick and then kicking the ball away. The goalkeeper went down like he was shot every time anyone came in with a six-yard box. Gallagher was just like a show pony and the, the ironic thing is is that he feigned injury went off and we scored when he was off the pitch pretty much so I was actually unimpressed with Preston I've always liked their fans I've always liked the way they play football but no they went down in, our, in my estimation but they're laughing they went away with a the point their manager took great pride in the way that they played us um, Tom Barkhausen has scored actually a, it was a cross but it was a good goal he said, we were told to get in Brentford's face. We did. And their players were bleating at the referee from the first minute. So, well done, Preston. If that's how you want to play your football, good luck. I wouldn't want to go and watch it like that. I'm going to ask you a question. Is there anything you think that we could have done to combat that? I mean, I know it's all in retrospect, but do you think that now looking at Preston, they're going to be coming down there playing this game. Is there anything that Brentford could have done, either team-wise or tactics-wise, that we could have done? We did all right, but we're just not clinical enough. I mean, if Mopé had scored just on half-time, frankly, I think that would have opened the game up. Uh, Simple as that. We just don't take our chances. Um, I thought the team selection was reasonable. Um, Maybe Makocho might have started instead of McEachran. 
McEachern was very lucky to see out the 90 minutes because it was a blatant, flagrant red card in my view when he sort of rugby, he thought he was at Twickenham when he rugby tackled two of their players when he lost the ball, he dallied on the ball 30 yards out and then sort of fell on one of them it was a red card but the team selection was decent we played some nice stuff there were three wonderful movements you know, when Sawyers put one just wide a lovely sort of 1-2-3 movement in the first half um, there was the lovely ball from McEachran, who was okay, flicked on by Yanaris for Mope, who should have buried it. And then in the second half, there was some balletic dance move that took us from one penalty area to the other before Yanaris fell over the ball. So, you know, as always, we 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 delighted and frustrated in equal portions. But is that a quick answer or not no, really? No, which is good. Listen, I'll just ask you just one other yeah. question before we move on to on. Gaz as well, because if you listen to what we talked about the fans in the pub before and the Allard... He's very perceptive, the LRD, he knows his tactics, he knows his football, and he said that what he thought, he was very disappointed because he thought there was three really brilliant opportunities for Brentford to have actually kind of won that game, where the ball came in and we did all sorts of stuff, got the ball into the area and, it, and the ball came into the middle, but there was no one there to finish it. There was three times he said that happened, and he said that, and this is not a disrespect on any players on the pitch or Malpe or anything like that, but he just said that if, if V-Bay was on the pitch, he reckons that one of those three chances that would have been a proper V-Bay chance, right? What's your thoughts? Waste of time. He's gone. Move on. I know, I understand, but I'm just saying to you. But, but it, yeah, because probably. Because, probably. But what, I'm just thinking about more about the, the, the thing about, you know, about developing players or, or developing the way that we play because obviously it's taken a while. We talk about very, a lot. Last year it took V-Bay nine months to get to the stage where he is, you know, and he started scoring goals. And I'm just saying is that, you know, just your opinion as to where it's at and, and, and do you think it's going to come? Do you think that... It was just a little bit unlucky, do you think, that, 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 that um, the Allard was being a little bit harsh? No, he was right. I mean, there was that lovely ball from McEachern from a short corner where, you know, everyone was on their heels rather than on their toes and they should have just poked it in on the far post. But you're right, we developed players. Mope isn't there yet. Hopefully he'll get there or get somewhere. Um, <clears throat> Macondes, we haven't got a clue where best he plays, but you can see he's got so much ability. He's got to play somewhere. Judge is almost back to, in my view, being up to starting. Uh, and I don't quite know how we've got to fit him in. Watkins has been on Mogadon for the last two months, so maybe he needs a rest. Joseph Soon is the most frustrating winger I've ever seen. No, he's not. Of course he's not. But he's got so much ability. And you, you want to hook him, take him off, and then suddenly he'll score. And then he disappears for another 20 minutes. And then in the last couple of minutes, he came inside beautifully onto his left foot. A bit like he did against, uh, I think, Sheffield Wednesday and Bolton. And he hit, hit the ball out of Ealing Road. You know, he drives me crazy. But he's a good player. As always with Brentford, we're not there yet. We're not quite there. We probably never will get quite there. But it's pretty good what we've got. Guys, the sending off key moment in that game. Um, well, it turned the game as well but also first half we were average but the second half we just turned we just turned the screw didn't we yeah we did no, it was one of those games where we weren't creating enough to look like we were going to score and it did look like the game was going to go into a draw their goal you probably was a bit fortuitous the way it went in um, and yeah we we shouldn't have. Been, it was a game we shouldn't have been losing. Luckily, we didn't. Um, as was mentioned with um, with Joseph Zoon managing to with that individual goal. 
I'm, I'm going to say as well, I mean, Lane, you, it's interesting because, like I said to you, we've got, we keep going on about this, but we've got very, very good relations. We've got a lot of basic mates of ours, the Preston fans. So they can be quite honest with us. Sometimes, you know, if you stick a microphone up a fan's nose and you don't really know him, he'll tell you some certain things, but sometimes not the same. But with the Preston fans, they were very honest with us about a number of things. And they, there's a few things that they said. First of all, they thought that um, Daniel Bentley feigned injury to get their player a yellow card and eventually got a red card. Um, they also, interestingly, didn't think that they were uh, that tough. They just thought that, you know, that's just the way that they played and they thought that the referee was uh, showing too many... Um, the referee didn't give them the game, so they, they thought that they were actually playing proper football. They didn't know that as well. And, and do you think that was um, rose-tinted glasses from the, the PNE fans? Yes, um, I, I, I thought um, Preston um, were pretty robust. Um, I, I didn't enjoy the way they play football. Um, they they seemed to they were quite cynical at times. I thought. Um, I, th- I think that's to, to kind of blame Brentford for for having a player sent off. I, I, I you know I, I don't. I think Cunningham was. I think he deserved to go. They, they had to take a, another player off to stop him getting red carded because he was he was trying to get he was trying to get sent off. Um, it's interesting because the liberal Nick and we laugh about the liberal liberals call hello liberal how you doing you know and that the liberal actually called this one very early as well. He called this one and he's turned around to me about. 15 minutes to go someone's going to send off and you're like no so he called that not saying that nobody else would have done so to him if the liberal Nick sees that it's going to be a sending off top scenario it means that you know Preston were gunning through it from early days isn't it yeah it was it was a, they they were they were they're a strong team you know they're 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 they're, they're up near the top of the division for for one of many reasons I think they're up there because they can play good football probably on their day they can play really brutal football on their day week in week out they're, they're probably they're probably quite competitive but you know I, I thought on another day Brentford would have run one run out sort of two or three one winners there you know more pay as Greville said he should have converted before half time Watkins um, he, he, he had a volley, I don't know, like a half volley that just went wide. Um, and then um, Judge hit, hit, hit the post. So we, we almost, but not quite, created enough chances to, to win that game. So uh, it, we, we almost won 3-1. Three, three That's Preston Hero offers no apologies for aggressive strategy at Brentford. What's, what's that all about? That sounds a little bit... That's a little bit clickbait to me. Well, I think you're right. Uh, but that is Tom Barkhausen, the scorer of that either brilliantly uh, flighted or fluke goal, basically rejoicing in the fact that they've been told to get in our face from the first minute and did so. They knocked us off our game. We were, I think I said before, bleating at the referee, according to him. And then, of course, you know, he says, basically, they don't like it up them. It's interesting because, again, if you listen back to the, 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 the Preston fans beforehand, they disagreed and they were saying that we weren't tough, we weren't hard, we were just playing football. But it sounds like, interestingly, the, their goal scorer disagrees with them. 
And even you, Greville, disagree with them. Is that is that right? Yeah, and they're playing dodgeball, not football. <laughs> I mean, there was no football from Preston really in that whole game. I mean, they were tough and nasty and organised. Brown's a good player in midfield. He buzzes around. He's he's good. Uh, but they haven't quite found their identity because they've lost um, Hugill because frankly they'd whack it up to him. So they haven't really. They've lost their out ball. So now they just. I didn't like them. I really didn't like the way they foot. I mean, I actually had a lot more admiration for the way Bolton played against us a couple a few weeks ago. Where yeah, they were hard and they were nasty, but they tried to play some football. Uh, Preston didn't. I mean, Preston didn't play football. What they came down, but they got the point. I'm going to be the devil's advocate as I sometimes do. Isn't that good enough? It's just like Derby came down three, what, four or five or six months ago and they came down, they play some horrendous football and I still sit down there and I've put it, I was on the Derby blog and I, on the podcast and I said, you know, Derby were the worst team that came out of the Griffin Park as I'm concerned, but they got the point. They beat us at, at, at Derby and they've got four points from Brentford over that and that's what goes down on paper. Isn't that what matters to be able to mix and match it up a little bit? Yeah, probably. Um, I think as a purist fan, you would say that um, you would rather us be really stick to our guns and stick to our principles and carry on playing our football. But it's, it's almost like sometimes you, you, if you know that that's the way the opposition's going to treat you for your 90 minutes, they're just going to come there and try and bully you. It's, it's, it's like, do you want to roll your sleeves up and do, you know change tact? I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I still I still maintain we created enough clear cut chances to have won that game. On another day with another striker, perhaps, then we maybe would have won it. I I, th- I do think we're struggling losing Vibe at the moment. Let's not let him be the elephant in the room. You know, we've we've sold him. We've got good money for him. We weren't probably going to keep him for much longer, but at the moment we're missing him. I'm just going to come to you guys in a minute, but I'm going to ask a couple of questions, because that's what I like to do, I like to ask questions. The Derby game, I mean, people say, oh, we haven't lost one for three games, so Sunderland look at us, they're thinking, I mean, if you look, and we're going to talk about Sunderland a, bit, a little bit later, Brentford is a must-win match, they haven't won in three games, like, this has got to, you know, they go on these runs, this has got to be, you know, happening, but, you know, at Derby, we lost a player after 20 minutes, who was very crucial to us, and we went for it, and they, they beat us there, and, and on Saturday, we had, you know, two probably quite important players, we had Chris Mepham, who was um, injured, and, and, and uh, uh, sorry, ill, as well, and also Ryan Woods, who's a key player in our midfield as well was injured now that is undoubtedly going to affect our game I'm just wondering you know Gaz looking forward do you think that that you know do you think that this is affecting where Brentford are where we've been and you know and and that result on Saturday I don't think it affects as, as I, I don't think it though the people those people missing affected us that much you know, in my in my eyes, I don't think it did because, as Dave said, on another day we would have won even without those players. So, those players missing are something that we coped with fairly well. But you know, it's a, you worry that we're entering a period that we have done around this time of year for the last couple of seasons, where we've just gone on this run without without winning games, which means we've ended up a bit further away from the playoffs than we want to be. So actually, I'll just go back to. Um, there's no problem with the system still. It's individual errors. 
I, I would say Morpe has made an individual error. He's he's missed he's missed a chance that he should have scored. I would say Watkins individual error. There was a it was, you know, yeah it would have been exceptional if he'd have scored it, but you know. We're, we're raving about him. It was a half volley, um, and it went inches wide. And Judge, not an individual error, individual moment of brilliance where he curled it round the wall and he, he hit the outside of the post. Um, you know, so you know, it, we're still creating loads of chances. It's down to the individual players to take them now, and that's nothing wrong with the system. That, that is just down to. If you're up to taking your chances, and you're, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna be a, a match winner. It's just one of those things, though, when things just don't run for you. The more pay one, um, I was actually in line with it in the paddock, and the ball through was almost perfect, but just held up. And in that time it took it for him to get onto his right foot was just the time. The keeper actually did very well because he read that straight away. By the time it got to more pay's feet, the keeper was right on him. Interesting. I mean, just talk about it as it, we, we we look around a few sites and see what's happening as well. And they were talking about the you know the Brentford strengths. You know, they were effective at creating goals, scoring opportunities through through balls and from the flanks and from counter attacks. And there was no deemed weaknesses from Brentford from the statisticians out there as well. Whereas Preston, they stole the ball from us a lot and they're effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from long shot situations. But the negatives from them is they were very aggressive, they lost their possession often, they gave away a lot of free kicks and they were also caught offside often, which is quite interesting as well. And really looking at that, I'm sort of thinking, and I think that a lot of us are saying that we're around the table there, that in principle actually we should have we should have won that game. Because the fact is that it was everything was in our favour. And we should have won that way, Greville. Yeah, I mean, Preston had one shot on target in the game, and that wasn't a shot, it was a cross. That being said, there were a couple that were blocked, a bit luckily. But yeah, that was their one shot in the whole game. That being said, you know, we've had, what is it, 500 and whatever shots, 100 more than anyone else. We only had about 10 shots or 12 shots on Saturday. 12, I think. 12, which is at least 10 under what we normally have. So, yeah, we created, I think, three killer chances, but not as many as we normally do. But that should be enough. Just some, some news just coming in as well. Apparently, like Canos has just cancelled his contract. Okay, all right. We'll come back to that in a minute. Actually, we we'll come back to that in a minute because we're still talking about Preston. But there's a lot of news coming. We've got the Benham news. We've got the Canos. This, this, oh, this is just a this is an action-packed podcast, guys. Yeah, well, I'd say that's a bit of a shock there. Cancelled contract. That worries me. But as I, as I say, it's just those stats for Preston are the stats that you would expect to see from a team that play is playing in a direct style. The fact that you know they're probably winning a lot of headers, you know, there's pushing, they're getting caught offside because there's a lot of these direct long balls which are which are inaccurate. So I, I thought we, as I said, I thought we coached with it okay. We, as Greville said, we didn't create as many chances as we normally did, which is why I, I thought you know. It, it was probably the right result because we weren't quite good enough to get past their somewhat physical play. Right, so listen, we talked about Preston, just listen back to that podcast as well. And also listen listen back to the Dundalk podcast, which is actually brilliant, fantastic. Just listen about what Irish football is about, how the B team is about. Very, very informative. There's a little piece on, I think it's the Brentford site as well today, about the B team. Everyone's raving about the B team. I did the, the Total Football League podcast last week as well, and they were raving about our B team. Trust me, mate, we're out there. We are, you know, we are opinion formers. We're actually just pushing out the boundaries to everyone else. So just 
check that out which is all good but listen we've got little other things to talk about not little other things but a lot of other things to talk about so we're going to talk about a few of the things we chatted about a bit earlier about Matthew Benham we're talking about us we're just going to be talking about Music. We're going about top music and we're going to be talking about clicking on articles which may or may not mean something oh, um, to Brentford fans. Um, Alan Judge has just broken down again. Apparently Alan Judge has broken down again. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Mope scores. Oh, blimey, in this environment, that's a, that's a bit of a headline, isn't it? Lionel Road Nightmare. Lionel Road, very topical, and uh, and we all know it's a little bit of a problem for, for Brent, some Brentford fans out there as well. Um, Laney, people have been throwing all these headlines around. What, what are we going on about here? Well, Matthew Benham admits future doubts. Yeah, OK, so I mean, you're, you're trying to say that he's pulling out of Brentford, is that right? No, 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 no. He, didn't, he doesn't know whether to go to the Maldives or Mauritius on holiday. Ah! Oh, interesting. Uh, what, what else? Were you, you mentioned a few other things a bit earlier as well. Yeah, uh, Alan Judge, he, he, he broke down. He broke down again. He broke down. He broke down yeah. again. He's so he's well, injured. No, 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 no. no. He's been restoring a, a 1973 Ford Capri, a purple one, and um, the carburetor kind of failed on him on the, um, and, and he kind of had to call the AA. Oh, that's mm. very interesting and very clever, or maybe it's not that clever at all. What, what else? You, ch- you mentioned another thing, didn't you? The Lionel Road Nightmare. Yes, what's that all about? Well, it was a couple of Brentford fans. They had a banana and cheese sandwich before they went to bed and um, they started dreaming about, about ghosts and stuff on um, Lionel Road site. It's haunted, apparently. Ah, so this is, this, is, this, is, this is very, very interesting. And Greville, you mentioned a headline as well. What is your headline about? Uh, Mope scores. And, and just, just, just go on about that. Well, he, he, I think he had a good night after the game on Saturday. Ah, listen, obviously ITK, mate, you know. Greville Waterman, <laughs> ITK. Uh, listen, so let, uh, what we're talking about here, and this is quite interesting, is we're talking about clickbait. Clickbait, we're talking about clickbait articles. And um, it's interesting because we had a little experiment in Besotted a, a couple of weeks ago where we, we saw that there's so many clickbait articles, there's so many sites going around, and all of a sudden what they do is that they put these headlines in there to make you click on them. When you go on them, the content is pretty non-existent. So we thought, tell you something, let's just, let us write a clickbait article. So we actually wrote a clickbait article. What was the article again? It was about Peter Crouch. It was about, what, the lady? Yeah, it was John Restall, wrote it, the Condor man. He, he, he said that um, Peter Crouch, Brentford bid for £9 million Stoke, sorry, or Brentford outbid Chelsea for £9 million striker. And um, the, the, the clicks went through the absolute roof. So, the, the, the um, yeah, it works. It clearly works. So, basically, if you lie to people or you try and fraud fraudulently get people to look at your content, um, you may get a lot more people visit your site, whether they read the article or not. Who knows? It's interesting. I mean, and again, we just we did it as a bit of a joke, a bit of a laugh. We said, let's, we said, actually, we said, let's put. We've seen HITC, you know, even you know, Get West London. All these people are putting out these clickbait articles out there as well. So we thought, as a bit of a laugh, let's put a clickbait articles. Normally, what we do is we normally hold back, and if we've got a little bit of news, we put the news out there, and bang, we get it. And if we we've got it there early enough, we get an exclusive, and people read it. We're not 
we're not the sun, we're not the mirror, we're not one of these big sites. We're just a Brentford fan site that tries to put information out there for people to read. So it's not as important for us as anybody else to get there before everyone else and get these exclusives. But it's also quite nice to get the exclusives like we did with the Lasse Vibe thing and stuff like that. But we put that out there and it was just quite interesting because it was an experiment. We said, let's see what happens. We went out there and I'm not being funny. It went absolutely berserk and it just goes to show you what can happen? But the, we were sitting around here, we were looking at that because we were saying, we were just checking the news this week. You know, there's not that much going on Brentford, but what we know is that there's, uh, as opposed to say four or five, six months ago, when there's nothing much going on, you just sit there and you think that's chill. But all of a sudden you'll see these articles popping up and you think, hmm, that's quite interesting. And then you click on it and uh, you find actually there's no major content in the article. But what they've done is that they've driven you in to this article to click on it. And, and my question I'm saying to you is that, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Does it really matter? And why are they doing it? I'm thinking, you know, maybe they're trying to compete with social media where social media is so influential at the moment now and traditional media the newspapers and everything like that, who don't exist in, in, in print form as much as they did to. So they're online and they need to find ways they're driving people through Greville. I know you've got a lot of views on this. Yeah, it's appalling. But it's all about money because basically the more visitors to a site, the more they can charge in advertising revenue. Maybe if you go to their site, you'll click on an ad and they'll get... It's, it's called affiliate marketing. Then you might uh, they might get money for every click through or every transaction that goes through it. But it's no, it's it's not a new thing. I mean, think about the halcyon days of club call. You know, um, the, and the, that, that's your fault, if I remember right, Greville. Yeah, they were a, they were a, they were a client of mine for many years back in the nineties and early two thousands. Great, great uh, that was great fun. And literally, they'd have people in in an office making up stories, um, allegedly. But remember the Brent, including you, uh, allegedly. But remember in nineteen ninety one. Brentford sign first division star, which I think if you waded through eight minutes of garbage, uh, Peter Gillam proudly pronounced, and then we found out it was Bob Booker. So, you know. Who was already at Brentford beforehand? Well, he was an ex Brentford player, but he had played in the first division and he had starred for Sheffield United, so it was sort of fairly fairly accurate, although Bob was very upset about it. So that's quite similar to um, seeing a, an article on yeah. any website out there which Same will principle. say um, Brentford sign first division star and then you, you know well you know it's Premier League star probably it'll be now yeah. and then you look at it and it'll be like you know I don't know somebody who's been retired for about 15 years yeah absolutely we've done that a few times ourselves as well <laughs> so there's nothing new about it but now you know I actually bemoan the fact oh, I'm not going to get onto it now about the instant society the fact that people can't read long articles anymore there aren't any long articles left to read you know uh, George Sands must be turning in his grave you know with 4,000 word articles and, and match reports oh, you, you tried to replicate him <laughs> <laughs> oh you were the one that bought it <laughs> no, no actually I gave you a copy <laughs> yeah, yeah so, 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 so that's I mean that's, that's, that's quite interesting I mean the, the conversation we've had here as well and listen this is an open conversation and listen we're just branching it out from Brentford because we're interested right we're very very interested and we're thinking listen if a publication decides to put an article or put something in to drive people in but you know does that really work you know because is it about just clicking on the article or do you really you know do you need the content there for people to read it and if you haven't got the content there 
does that turn you against the brand? Do you turn around and say, listen, actually, I'm not interested in this brand anymore because every time I click on them, they haven't got information for me to read. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Football League World, for me, they really frustrate me because, first of all, I click on them on the phone and I struggle to get onto the site because they've got this really rubbish um, advertising thing where you can't get past or it's, you struggle to get past unless you stay on it for 15 seconds or 20 seconds then you can click on it then eventually you go on there and then you read the article and then the article hasn't got the content that you believe it would do because the, 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 you're misleaded by the, um, by, by, the, by, the, by the title so eventually for me I think I ain't going to click on them anymore. So what, to me, I think it's done is it's damaged their brand because I feel that if somebody has got a brand where every time you click on it, you believe it, and every now and again they may do something which is a little bit off, it's cool. But if you've got somebody who, if you, I believe, if you're feeling the whole time you're going in there and you're feeling you're being misled, it kills it and you're thinking, I ain't going to go there anymore. Crevel. Yeah. But I mean, it's all—it's all about value, and it's all about a quid pro a quid pro quo. You know, if you go to YouTube and they make you watch an ad for 15 seconds, and maybe you can even skip the ad after five, I have no problem. Well, I don't like it, but I accept it because I know that what I'm going to see afterwards is value. You know, it will be something I want to see, and it will be—it will be of high quality, hopefully. Whereas I resent made-up stories and rubbish, which is just there to entice you onto a site. For financial reasons, and eventually they'll be hoist with their own petard. Uh, well, sorry, but that's, that's very. I had no idea what you said there, but it was sounded very good. It's basically borderline fraud, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's, it's an entrapment of sad twats. Yeah. It's, it's like they, they they know they know that we're kind of like it's, it's, we're addicts to like to addicts to, to to footy toss. You know, they, any any kind of gossip that. They think that you know idiots like us will kind of click onto and they can monetize. They, they, they're clearly not making any money anymore out of the traditional media in terms of selling newspapers. So the papers have stopped. This is the only way they can cajole any any kind of revenue stream out of um, you know out of any kind of football news. And you know, instead of getting one story out of a, an actual story, they'll get three tidbits out of out of it, and they'll they'll tease you onto the next one and the next one. You know, it's it's almost like how desperate are you? dot com. You know, how how desperate are you to find out? And I'm well, I'm as guilty as the next man. You know, I I I read online today. Winger admits I haven't reached my full potential yet. That's that's the, that's the headline. You know, my, you know it would have been. Flojo says I've enjoyed Brentford so far, and 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 you know it's it's all about trying to trick you into getting you to read a story that you it's really not a story anyway. Well, I'm going to I'm going to be devil's advocate here though, but the fact is that if he feels he hasn't read his reached his full potential, then surely that is a story that people might want to read about. Possibly, but he he said he he made that um, he made that sort of uh, admission to a Dutch website, and so we're reading it second and third hand news on an English local newspaper that didn't do the interview. But he, but he did say it. But the, the fact is that he still did say it, though, didn't he? And he said it to that. It doesn't matter. He's not if he if he talked to the Sunday Mirror and somebody else quoted it, then we we, we quote it. So. Or, isn't the, or that, the Irish Times. Or the Irish... Oh, yeah, indeed. So what, what, what I'm trying to say to you is that isn't... 
if 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 the news is valid, it's fine. And it surely the situation is is working out whether or not the content is 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 right. And and I think it's the sensa- sensationalisation of um, like not very dramatic stories. You know, Flojo. You know. Yeah, he's 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 an okay player for us. He's not he's he's not Alan Judge, so you know yeah, he's, he's clearly he's not reached his potential. That that's not a headline story as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's it's a it's a it's stating the bleeding obvious as as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so and I'm going to ask this question again, and we're looking at where the news has shifted to. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Where the news was, you know, we talked about the Chronicle, we talked about the national newspapers, we talked about the the the, the, the Inquirer. Uh, was it the Inquirer? The, the you know, we talked about all these different papers that were giving us these news. It's now moved online, where when you're online, it's believed that the information is going to be free. You know what I'm saying? The information that you need to be is given is free. So, um, whereas beforehand, you know, you, you played for the, the, the Middlesex Chronicle, whatever, 20p or 50p or whatever it may be. So, there's some revenue coming in, so it's free. So, obviously, these publications need to look at how they're going to get revenue in. So, you, you can't knock them or else they're going to they're disappear. The journalists won't exist and everything like that. So, that's cool. So, what I'm trying to say to you is that these stories here are multiplying tenfold, Right. And because they've realised that to probably equal the 50p or the £1 that they got from the Chronicle, they need to put out ten times as many stories as they would do when they were the Chronicle guys. Well, I just think that's how media works these days. I mean, there's been plenty of times I've been sitting at home, Sky Sports News is on, and it's a breaking news, and I've turned around expecting to see kind of something relevant. And the idea of breaking news is, I don't know, sort of like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo's seen in a shop or something, <laughs> Some, you know, something mundane like that. Um, that's just the way the media has been. For me, with the whole clickbait thing, similar to what Greville said earlier on, if you go into the article and you see what was what you actually expecting to see when you clicked on the headline, then you can kind of, you can excuse them with their advertising. It's when you go in and there's just absolutely nothing of substance. It's just an opinion piece from somebody. There's no official quotes. Someone has got their opinions. They put it down and they've hidden it behind a load of clickbait or a load of advertising and again on the other side when I go into the site and as you said before when I can't actually see the article because the because of intrusive advertising I'm just going to ask you a question I know Lainey wants to ask you know just come in there again because there's so much information out there I mean we're in an information world here there's just so much information everywhere we're bemoaning the fact that you know one day we'd go to the newspaper and we'd have this article which we thought was quality which giving us the info and now we've got sort of 40 articles with different sort of information where 35 of them may be rubbish but five of them may be good we're bemoaning it but do you think maybe other people or even younger people in here don't really care because that information is there and it's for them to sift through Laney yeah possibly but I thought I think Greville touched on it earlier actually you know what we're seeing now is the is is the club call of the internet age you know this this no this is no different from see John Terry's mum eat cheese on 0898 220 no, no we won't talk about eating cheese 
um, because that, that so is sacrosanct that to the Brentford posse anyway, as we say, like I'm saying. Greville, I mean, coming back to you on this 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 point. Yeah, I mean, remember, Freddie Starr at my hamster. You know, it's been going on for years, and, and eventually people will vote with their hands or their feet or whatever they vote with. You know, the, the rubbish sites, people will just ignore and they will die and wither away on the vine, and, as so they should. But I find this whole this whole thing annoying and upsetting because it wastes my time. Because, you know, we are, as I think Dave said, we are fanatics. We will go anywhere. And there's just that little 1% of you that goes, oh, God, maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. But then when you click on it and it says, here are 50 strikers Brentford should sign, you know, and they're all £10 million plus, you just tell you, well, what little hair you got left. But it's what, what, yeah. what Ultimately, what are we going to be left with? You know, we, we, can, we, can, we can have a joke about it. We, we, can, we can bring up examples of... Uh, times where we've been sort of dragged into something we we didn't sign up for um, it's, 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 it's kind of fraud really you know that you're dressing up something that isn't quite what it is but ultimately we we look to um, the certain media outlets to provide us with news or provide us with content that is that is real and these are the very places where it's becoming it's becoming less real than what we put out, you know, and we, we, we are becoming now more of a, an authoritative um, outlet for Brentford News and the actual newspapers. Which is, which is, I mean, it's interesting you say that because the fact is, I mean, we talk about it's difficult for us. We want to try and put out more content that's difficult because we do, do other things during the day. It's not our full-time job. But on the flip side of it, we just sit down and we think, tell you something, it'd be quite easy to actually kind of take these stories and reappropriate them as the word is and and put them out there but um we haven't done that as such because for us we think it'll be it's not beneficial because people and we know as fans you want to know what kind of what's going on and the fact is that yes we may speculate every now and again we may get it wrong. Not often we don't get it wrong but sometimes you do do but you put it out there and I think that if you do that people know that um but that's because we have we, we work with the club, you know, as we, we love our club and we work together with it. I think maybe some of these other sites, you know, you talk about the, 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 the Football League world and all that kind of stuff. They don't give a monkeys about Brentford or anything else. They just want a story to go out there and for people to kick on it. Gary? Yeah, I mean, Dave made the exact point that I was about to make. These guys, probably their biggest, um, their biggest competition is us. You know, the people that write the fanzines, the people that are on the forums, because everything about Brentford for our, or Rochdale or on their club forums and their fans will discuss in depth. If a match has happened, you will get a lot more information off a, off a team supports forum so, than so, you will from a newspaper. So, I mean, you're a very avid um, Griffin Park Grapevine, which is the Brentford Forum. You, you're very avid on that, aren't you? Um, no, not really, to be honest. Yeah, but you, do, you do. get you get information off yeah, there. Quite oh, don't get me wrong; I do get information off of it. But I'm, um, you know, I'm not. I wouldn't really call myself a active poster on there. Yeah, um, but you, you're, you're a voyeur. Yeah, definitely a voyeur. Are we still talking about the group GPG? No, no, yeah, we are talking about GPG. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. I was, about, I was about to call my lawyer, but um, yeah. but yeah, as I said, um, you know, when you read like a lot of the stuff on the GPG. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff on the GPG is, t- you know, the, the match reports that I will see from people that have actually been to the game and have actually watched it rather than if you pick up a newspaper or and you can quite tell, that, you can tell that somebody just made up the, um, you know, the team ratings for the day and they've given, you know, they've just, all right, I've got a couple of sixes, sevens, a couple of fives, I'm just going to throw them down on a 
on a I'm just going to throw them down on a sheet of paper and see where they come up so listen listen clickbait theory I mean what my argument is I'm going to say this I'm just going to finish this off as well um it does annoy us. It does annoy us all because if you're drawn into something, and we've seen it, that it's been accelerated in a massive, massive way. HITC was one of the one of the sites that was just proper, proper, proper clickbait. Football League World's another clickbait, but then everyone seems to be copying that as well. But what it seems to be is that people people are happy with information, but the fact is that if you feel that there's that, that you're being misguided too many times. As a site, you start to lose credibility within the people that you seem to be targeting. And that seems to be the common consensus around the table here. And it'll be interesting to know what the fans think out there as well. You can, you know, could tweet us on Beside. You can go on the Facebook page and see what you think. Yeah, Gaz, say, for me, it is in the design. If I can go on there and read what I think your article is about and I can read that easily then yeah fine I'm probably going to visit it again I'm going to put up with the advertising if I go on and I can't see it because you've got a big fat advert that I've got to wait a week and a half to get everything off the page before I can actually read the article or again if I go in and it's just a nonsense fluffy collection of words that mean nothing then yeah I won't be clicking again and I won't be taking any more of those damn surveys on <laughs> those sites so it's all about quality quality will out so what I would say is it's people like uh, Besotted that it's, you know, the better the quality of the article, the better the information, the more loyal and the more, the more fans will be reading you. That's, that's the way to go. Oh, apparently um, Macondes has taken Canos' place. Oh, 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 of course he has as well. Yeah. And that, that's an article we're going to be putting up tomorrow, isn't that? Is that right? Yeah, and and what, um, the, you might as well tell them what's all about, though. Yeah, there's been a there's been a kind of like a re re reassignment of the parking spaces at, at Jersey Road, and um, Marcondes has got Canos's place now. Excellent. Yeah, they, they, well, there you go. Big game Sunderland on Saturday. B's going up there. We've got over a thousand fans. have already bought tickets, so we probably have about fifteen hundred B's fans out there, which isn't bad considering this was FA Cup fifth round day. And people who thought we actually might take the FA Cup seriously didn't buy tickets, train tickets for this game. So unfortunately, now by the time we got knocked out of the FA Cup, the train tickets were too expensive. But still, B's fans are going up there. A thousand. 1,500 Bees fans are going to be up there, which is pretty much the same amount of fans who Sunderland took down to Bristol City last Saturday. So, you know, it's a little bit comparative there. But listen, what's going on in Sunderland? We have no idea. We're going to go up to Sunderland to speak to Connor from the Roker Report. He knows everything about Sunderland. So, Connor, let us know. So, Saturday... There's going to be ooh, maybe 1,500 Bs going up the M1. They're going up by plane. They're going up by car. They're going up by coach. They're going up by boat. They're going up there, whichever way they can do. Going up to Sunderland, a team that we haven't played up at Roker Park for, well, quite a while. I think it will change ground. Yeah, in fact, that's right. In fact, the event they might be able to play at Roker Park for about... For 25 years, and uh, yeah. I don't think we, we have never played them at their new stadium, which is the Stadium of Flyer. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of people very excited about going to Sunderland. Um, Sunderland haven't had the best season, and we can talk about it till the cows come home. But instead of us talking about it, I decided we thought let's go up to Sunderland, let's speak to somebody who knows all about what's going on down there. Connor from the Roker Report, how are you doing, mate? Um, as good as can be when you're second bottom. <laughs> 
Yeah, we talked a little bit earlier in the season, and uh, you know, I think you thought it's going to be a little bit of a temporary measure, but as you say, things haven't gone too well for Sunderland this season. You haven't acclimatised as you were meant to have done. Um, what's gone wrong? Um, that's a that's a question that could take weeks to answer. I suppose it's bad management from the top of the club. Um, Ellis Short did has put a lot of money at the Sunderland. Don't get us wrong, he has. He spent a lot of money on the club, but he's recruited the wrong people to work with him. Um, we don't. We've really lacked having a a football person at the club to run the. I suppose the the business side of things since Niall Quinn's left, and we've really missed that. And Ellis Short, you know, might be a successful businessman, but he's got absolutely no idea how to run what was a Premier League football club. Uh, bad recruitment has really hampered when we've changed directors of football a few times. We've went from having a director of football and not having one. Um, you know, think about the amount of managers who've been at Sunderland. I mean, you'll probably not even be able to name them because there have been so many. They seem to just change all the time. We've had Steve Bruce, we've had Martin O'Neill, Gus Poye, Paolo De Canio, we've had Dick Advocat, even I'm struggling, Sam Allardyce, <laughs> Simon Grayson, David Moyes, who was a disaster, and then obviously we've got Chris Coleman now, you know, and that's a spell of seven years. It's too many managers bringing in different players every time they take over, and that's kind of where we're at today. We've got a squad of misfits, and I suppose we've got a losing mentality in the club, and that's not really easy to shift, and that, that I suppose that's a problem. You saw Villa had to spend a ridiculous amount of money to get rid of that losing mentality, and we, we don't have that sort of funding behind where to do that, so we just had to, I suppose, try our best to just somehow get out of it, and we've just not been able to do it. It's interesting, I mean, you talked about the managers that you've changed over seven years, you said, I mean, obviously you haven't got relegated last year. Now, in retrospect, I mean, you're sitting down there, you're in, in the championship now, but looking back on it, are you thinking, actually, at that time we can actually see it coming? Or at that time, because you've been in the, in the Premier League for so long, do you think, ah, oh, don't worry, we'll sort it out, we'll sort itself out? You get stuck in, like, a, a Premier League bubble would probably be the best way of describing it. You, every year you come into it expecting just to survive. That was always the ambition. We, we never... I suppose as a club, the club never aspired to be anything more than that. The fans, obviously, have always got expectations to be better than a club that just finishes 17th, but we were realistic to know that our team was just not good enough and we didn't have... For the last three years in the Premier League, we didn't really have the funds of the other teams because of the debt that the club had. You know, Last season, we spent about $35 million, just about. We brought in some money as well for other players. Uh, but that's not enough to stay up in the Premier League, especially when you only just stay up every year. Um, it, it's just been a, a a disaster. In hindsight, maybe we could have done with getting relegated earlier. Um, maybe that year we had the great escape with Gus Poye. We were pretty much down, and then we went to Man City, got a result. Went to Chelsea, got a result. Went to Man United and got a result. And it somehow kept up. But maybe that was the year to go down so that we wouldn't have had such a, I suppose, a... a damaging effect on the club for a long time. I mean, you're talking about Chris Coleman, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's, obviously, he's obviously a good manager because he's taken a fancy wild side from nowhere to, you know, punching it up their weight and they did obviously very well in the European Championship. Um, do you think that he's able to deal with that um, and he's a good manager for your team? Oh, 100%. Um, the matter of what happens this season 
League One or Championship next year, Chris Coleman, they need to try and keep a hold of him because he, you know, certain managers, certainly for Sunderland, yeah, they get it or they don't. You know, David Moyes just didn't get it and he <laughs> struggled from day one because he could never understand the culture of Sunderland, which is surprising since he's Scottish and he kind of fits the mould as a Sunderland manager, but he just didn't get it. Sam Allardyce got it and Chris Coleman gets it. Chris Coleman has that persona that sits well with Sunderland fans. He's very well-spoken, very charismatic, um, is very much heart on his sleeve, doesn't really keep anything away from the media, sort of keeps the fans in the know. And he's, he's been almost refreshing in that he's, he said to players that if they, if they don't want to be here, then they'll go. You know, he got rid of our top scorer and they were scrubbing because grabbing you could tell, was looking for a move. You know, the last month where Graben was here, he wasn't going in for headers, he wasn't competing for the ball and sort of fear of getting injured. Coleman spotted that and he just got rid of him. That's the sort of thing Sunderland fans like. It doesn't really matter if you win or, or lose for Sunderland. Obviously, it's preferable if you win, but it's about showing that you've worked hard. It's a working-class place and we res- respect a working-class team and I think Chris Coleman sort of represents that very well. Um and I think he's a good fit. I, I honestly, truly believe that he will go in the mould of the, the Roy Keynes, the Sam Allardyce's, the Mick McCarthy's and the Peter Rees that we've had at Sunderland, certainly in my lifetime. I think he will be that level of manager for Sunderland, a sort of a a, a game-changing manager. Um, and I, I've got firm belief in him. I, to be honest, it's, even if we go down, it, it doesn't really make a difference to me. I think he's the right man. Thinking about the game on Saturday, or just thinking, you know, thinking about the game in general, a lot of East fans are going up to Sunderland because they, well, they haven't been there before. You yeah. know, other East fans like myself, I've been up there, but I went to, like I said, the old school Roker Park, um, which was, uh, which is good, very old school, quite similar to Griffin Park in a, yeah. in a way, old school, and and then used to have, like I said, you used to have a lot of noise there, used to make a big, big, big sound there, the Roker Roar, as they called it, which I thought that's cool. Now you've moved to a new stadium, the Stadium of Night. Um, what is the vibe? Because we're going to go for a move in a couple of years' time and we're very, very nervous that our stadium, which at the moment now even, is probably not as roaring as it should be because we've gone from about 4,000 fans up to sort of 10,000 fans. And when you had 4,000 absolutely mad going for it fans, that, that stadium was actually really, really rocking. But yeah. you know, ironically, the more fans that you actually get in, it's a little bit more difficult. We're a little bit nervous. I mean, how is your move? To be honest, very, very good. Um, we went from about an average attendance um, well, the last season at Roker Park, we were in the Premier League. My average attendance was about 20,000 people, just under, I think. The year after we moved, that jumped up to sort of the 30,000 mark. And then, you know, you looked at, so 98, about 30,000, 99, 40,000. And then by 2001, you know, we were at 49,000. The ground was full every week. We put an extension on. And the whole thing snowballed. We are fortunate we had generational players in Kevin Phillips and Niall Quinn. Um, and we were able to build around it. We had a charismatic manager in Peter Reid who, again, he just understood, and he sort of built up this mentality within even the city of Sunderland, and everything just kind of came together so nicely at the time that the new stadium, the, the Premier League boom is what happened at the time as well, and the players that were had just, it just worked brilliantly. For me, looking at Brentford from the, I mean, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on Brentford, but from the outside looking in, if Brentford are going to continually be a top 12 championship team, like pretty much they have been since they came up, really, they've been a very strong championship team. 
very impressed with them. I remember when Mark Warwood and they're thinking that they possibly could have went up that year. I think Borough beat them in the end in the very final. Right. But yeah. I think if you can keep yourself as a top 12 championship team, moving to the new stadium, you, you never know what sort of effect it can have. I mean, it can have negative effects. Um, but the, I suppose Sunderland and Middlesbrough up here both had really big booms from it. I think it can make a big difference. Especially now you're in a London market that it's saturated. There's a lot of football goes on there. There's other teams that are going to be more attractive than Brentford, but that new stadium, you know, that can be an attraction for people. That can be a reason people go. And I think that can, you know, it can really help the club. It can change momentum. It can, if you go from 10,000 people and you went up to 15,000 people in this brand new spanking stadium, then, you know, that can really, really add momentum. Uh, and I think, you know, the need, they probably do need the new ground. Their ground at the minute is probably the worst in the division. Yeah, defensively, you're a little bit leaky. So, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to fix that between now and Saturday, are you? Um, defensively, very leaky. But that's a given. <laughs> Got the second worst defence in the league. Um, he is going to change it to a four at the back. Uh, he said that today, pretty much in his press conference, that he is going to change to four, which is good. Um I think that suits the players we've got. So hopefully that means we'll not be as bad defensively as what we have been recently. In, in actual reality, one of the things that gives me a little bit of hope for this game is the fact that Brentford like to play football and we've been surprisingly good against teams that like to play football. Um, we've taken, obviously, a draw at yourselves. Fulham like to play football and we beat them at home. Hull like to keep it on the deck and uh, we beat them at home. We went to Nottingham Forest who at home again are a reasonably good possession team. So we have done well against possession based teams this season, which is a surprise considering how bad we are. Gives me a little bit of hope that I expect you to come to us and try and control the play. And I think that suits our system. We can hit you on the counter. We've got Ashley Fletcher, who we've just brought in on loan. Uh, he's playing up front. Big guy, six foot four, um, quite good in the air. Maybe not as good as he should be for his height, but very good in the air. Joel Asoro, who, if you watch the highlights of the weekend, he's the, got the, well, I suppose the assist for the third goal. It wasn't on goal, but he played the ball across. He's a very, very tidy player. I call him an oh player in the sense that the opposition always goes oh whenever he gets the ball. He's that kind of talent. You, you watch him and he can, he has the capability of getting past a man. He has the capability of taking one on. He, to be fair, he's also got an alright finish. So, I think he's the, the one you need to watch. McGeady, he's going to be in the team this weekend, I suspect. Uh, Coleman did that in his interview uh, today. And he's sort of a, you don't really know what to get. Uh, he could be very good, he could be very bad. Do worry defensively, playing Fletcher, McGeady, Esoro, uh possible that Johnny Williams comes in. They're not really defensively responsible players. So, it can be concerning that I suppose if uh, if we concede early on, how how we get back into the game, I'm not sure. Obviously, I suppose if we went 3-0 down, we might draw. Like, but in in reality, uh, going down a goal, I can't see we're coming back. I think with Sunderland as well, they're just so hot and cold. You just never know what you're going to get um, with the team. I do fancy, though, that we can get something, just simply because Brentford likes to keep the ball. And... I think they're the sort of team, I mean, you might be able to correct us if I'm wrong, but certainly whenever I see them on the telly, they seem to be the sort of team who is patient. And, and we've done well against them sort of teams. 
Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, that is, I mean, that is our game, and you know, it's not it's no surprise. I mean, the scouting team, everyone will know that's our game. You know, the possession game. We try to play the ball on the deck. Interestingly, the last couple of games, um, Derby, we had a player sent off in, after 21 minutes, and that kind of fell apart for us. So we let three goals there. We lost that one, and in the last game, we actually had about two or three players that were, that were out. Um, Chris Nepin, this player, he was out. And centre back, he was out. Um, he, he, he was uh, he was ill. And uh, also, Ryan Ritz, who's a little midfield dynamo as well. There's a lot of rumours about Sunderland being in for him beforehand. He was out as well. I reckon that we're going to get a result down at your place. Well, you'll not be the first team to do that this year. Uh, as I said, we've got two home wins since Christmas 2016. So, it's not been a happy hunting ground for us. A lot of teams have come down. We've been beaten by Bristol City, uh, Sheffield United... Ipswich, uh, Millwall got a point, Barnsley beat where I mean, we've taken a lot of defeats at home. Against Sunderland, the key is to kind of make sure you don't concede early on and then you can get the crowd frustrated, which rightfully so, the crowd should be frustrated because the home form has been absolutely dreadful. Yeah. I think, if I'm being brutally honest, I sort of expect Brentford to get something from the game. Uh, I, would, I would say I would be surprised if they didn't get a draw. Um just because of how poor our home form is. Obviously, I can see how we can win the game. I can see what our game plan will be, but I just don't know if we have the confidence or ability to execute it. Obviously, coming back from 3-0 down to draw 3-3 might give the team this unbelievable lift, but I've been here before on false dawns. <laughs> I'm not falling for another false dawn. But listen, Connor been great chatting to you, mate, and um, I'm looking forward to coming up. I'm actually coming up on Friday. We're staying yeah. in your neighbour town. We're staying in Newcastle on Friday. They're coming down early on Saturday morning, so maybe I might even catch up with you for a few beers early on Saturday morning. Possibly. Well, it depends how early. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know, mate. I'll be, I'll be knocking on your door at 7 in the morning, yeah? <laughs> you can try. I won't have that. Sunderland fan Connor. From the Roka Report, really interesting the, the, the vibes that they've got there and uh, where they think they're actually going to be going. For us, a little bit of frustration because we're going up to Sunderland. Like I said to you, there's probably about 1,500 Bees fans going up there. And we're not saying we expect to win, but the way that they're playing and the defensive frailties and all that kind of stuff and the way that we play, we should do. But there's still a question mark about, you know, what's happening up front with us and new players and stuff like that. So we, we live to see where it goes. I'm still a little, I'm still, not a little bit, I'm confident we'll do all right. But it's a little bit difficult about the Sunderland game because we could talk about that till the cows come home. But Connor's talked about it really well with myself. Um, I'm just wondering, you guys, just quickly, let's go around, you know, result against Sunderland, what you saying? It's ironic that we got a three-all draw against them and they got a three-all draw this weekend just gone. So... They're, they're capable of scoring on their day. You know, we, 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 we played them at Griffin Park and they, they looked half decent for, for, for the first half at least. So um, they've been a bit of a bogey team for us this year. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping we win. Everyone else is beating them. Why can't we? What prediction? 2-1-Bs. Um, yeah, no, I think we're going to win this one. I mean, I know, yeah, as you said, they you know scored goals last week. But I think the goals were scored for them, and I think we're going to be winning this one 1-0. 3-1, Brentford. 3-1, Greville, and also at 2-0. I might have to go for 2-0, not even a 1-0 for myself. But listen, 
this is a bit of a double header for the bees because we talked about the Sunderland, but there's a team that we're very not happy with. We ain't been happy with them for 20 years. Birmingham City, from the time that we met in the 80s and we were like proper loggerheading with Birmingham City. We were first, they were second, they were second, we were first, we were first, and second. They Leyland Daft Trophy, they came out to Brentford and smashed the place up and they just took the place over. Zulu Warriors and all sorts of nonsense was going on there. So Brentford and Birmingham have had a little bit of a fractious relationship, it has to be said, over the years. And then they disappeared for a very long period of time. And we forgot about them, or they forgot about us. I don't think we ever forgot about them until we played them in the League Cup in 2010, I think it was, and we took about 4,000 fans down there, and they were confused as to why all these rabid Brentford fans were going completely balmy at St Andrews. But anyway, we'll forget about that, because the fact that they took three of our um, upper echelon players is probably the best way for me to describe it at the beginning of the season. Didn't really go down too well in Brentford, but then we beat them a few months later, and that was very, very good. But this is the return match on Tuesday night. We need to talk about that. We're going to have a mini-pod, probably going to be live on Monday at 7am, a mini-pod, where we're going to be talking with us and also one of the Birmingham fans, possibly Davo, a good mate of mine from Birmingham. And we'll chat to him. Nick. And also and Liberal Nick as well, because obviously he's been transferred to Birmingham City as well. You know what I'm saying? So we'll be talking to them on Monday morning about that. But listen, just come back to this. Birmingham City, big, 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 big game for Brentford. Listen, we've got two teams who are in the bottom what's bottom six. We need to be dispatching them, Greville, don't we? Absolutely. You know, six points over this double header, And, you know, we're still on the coattails of the... Um, playoff chasing pant, uh, bunch one point or two or even four you know not good enough we need to beat two, both these teams and Birmingham we need to smash ok I'm going to ask you a question right and, and Sunderland fans might find this very interesting we're playing two games one on Saturday one on Tuesday however you're only allowed to win one which one would you prefer to win Birmingham whoa Gary Definitely Birmingham, it's a home game, and you've got to win your home games. So is it all about the home game, or is it about Birmingham? For me, it's, a, it's about the home game. Listen, mate, you're not loyal enough, are you? I was saying, Laney, got two games, Saturday, Sunderland, Tuesday, Birmingham. Um, I go for the win at Sunderland and a draw at home to no, Birmingham. No, 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 you, only, you can only win, forget about the, you cheated about the draw, you can't draw, okay, okay, there's well, no draws involved. Wait, I don't want to lose. You yeah, 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 listen, it's not, it's you're assuming so the other game's got, got, got to be a defeat. Well, it's just you can only win one and then the other one is just... Forget about it. It's just, please, just play the game. You're just you're cheating with me. You're just, you're just like... It's late in the night. We've had some, some, some well, Guinness yeah, and Tia Maria. You want to have flaky rules. <laughs> um, I go, no, I'll go for the win at Sunderland. I, I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm Over the win at Birmingham? Well, as long as we don't lose against Birmingham, yeah. <laughs> Forget, forget him. He's such a cheat. You know? At the end of the day, all right, I'm going to say, if there's going to be two, I'm going to Sunderland. I love it, but to me, it has to be the win over Birmingham City. But any day, it's going to be the win over Birmingham City. Listen, but this is all good. I'm changing my mind. Oh. I want a free meal. 
So I would like us to win at Sunderland. Oh, yeah. A free meal at the wonderful Azu restaurant. Oh, yes. So listen, he's done a bit of a bit, little, 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 little bit of plugging there, you know what I'm saying? You know, he didn't, didn't ask us if you're allowed to plug, but okay, you can plug whatever you want to. You know what I'm saying? We had Chris at the bar who is drinking our um, Guinness and, and, uh, and Tia Maria. And we introduced him to him, and he's drinking it, and I think he's all over the place. And all of a sudden, he turned around and said, well, I don't think Brentford are going to beat Sunderland. I think Sunderland win, win 2-0. And if Brentford, well, 2-1. And if Brentford and if, Sun, and, and if Brentford win, the whole Brentford team and also the Besotted crew can come down and they can eat at my restaurant. I've never met anyone quite so confident. <laughs> he just said, it's not going to happen. You can bring your podcast crew and all the Brentford first team. It's 2-1 two, it's two to Sunderland, and there's going to be a penalty. And he, so I'm actually putting some money on that just to just to kind of back it not going to happen. But but Tuesday night specifically, it's like a terrorist ranter's paradise, isn't it? You know, we it, I, I can't wait for the songs to be sung. Harley Dean is not is going to get a, a bit of a bit of a kind of a rocky reception. Colin will probably get away with it. Yotta pro- no, probably won't play him. He'll be on the subs bench. So he's going to get some grief, you know. It's, this is the price you pay, you know. If you if you're gonna if you're kind of gonna jack in, um, being being like lauded as some sort of messiah, and then sell your soul to go up to Birmingham, then you get, you know you deserve the grief you get. Indeed, and I'm so, I'm excited about it, and I'm so excited. I actually I mean I'm going away with my son. We're going to go to to Mallorca to go and see my brother out there, and I actually cancelled or postponed my holiday till the Wednesday so that I can actually participate in all sorts of activity on the Tuesday and, 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 and shout and abuse and do what everyone to. And I've got my mates, as you know, I've got to Shrewsbury, and I've got my blue-nosed mate who I met up in Shrewsbury as well, Sam, who's going to be coming down with me as well. So he's coming down and staying with me on the Tuesday night as well, the blue-nosed boy. So hopefully... Friend, yes, it's my friend. Yeah, that's right as well. And Davo, I think, are going to be meeting up. That's right. And Davo is coming down as well, as well from Davo Berman, who does all the Berman and blogs as well. Friend, yes, I've got all sorts of friends coming down there as well, which is all good, you know. And I love it. And I tell you something, I so want to beat them. But anyway, listen, guys. It's been an absolutely wicked podcast coming down here in the slightly quieter than normal West London Cross Keys, but it's still a wicked club and they've taken absolutely great care of us tonight. What I would like to say is that you need to go to Besotted, click on um, podcasts and go and subscribe to us and also give us a review. We'd be very happy with that. I've seen some wicked reviews and we are going to read them out next week because um, that's what we do. Also, if you go, we've got our end of season due. It's in Ealing. It's on the 4th of May, Friday the 4th of May. We've got our big, big guest. I was chatting to him today and he's very excited about it. He's a big, big bees man and he's been involved in us and people will be very excited about that. So I I advise you to go to uh, to Besotted. Click on social and go and buy some tickets for that because it's going to be wicked. The early, super early bird tickets sold out in 24 hours on that. But other than that, Sunderland on Saturday, we're going up to Newcastle on Friday. We're going to have some jokes. Some Bees fans are going to go up and stand up on Saturday. They're going to have some jokes. Sunderland fans are very, very friendly. They're very, very nice. They're looking forward to us. We're going to be on the docks or something like that. Listen and check out the Beside. We'll tell you exactly where we're going to be or the places that you can go and have a drink because we haven't been up there for 20-odd years. But other than that, we're on the cross keys. Hello, lady. What are you saying? Um, Dan Bentley's last game for Brentford. 
Oh, yes, that's right. Apparently, it's Dan Bentley's last game for Brentford. No, 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 no he's, he's talking about the Preston game, which was oh, his that's last right, game. right, yeah, yeah, of course it was, yeah. It was the Preston game that was last game for Brentford. But apparently, he got 74,000 clicks. 74% of the clicks were on that one, opposed to any other Brentford story that minute. But anyway, we will move forward, as we say to yourself... Have yourself an absolutely fantastic couple of days. If you want to come up with us, we've got a spare ticket coming back from Sunderland. 529, it's only 30 quid. Email beside at 1992gmail.com. But other than that, we're in the cross keys and we love the bees as we say. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.